guess that the toughest part of these reviews is <laughs> that is one of the parts I like the most of the pound uh, review. It's like, viewers like, don't know this, but we spent like half an hour trying to figure out the right music because Calvin's like wrong mode. Wrong mode. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. It's funny because I feel like we actually spent longer on this one. I think you're probably right. <laughs> Right, and welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm your host, Connor, and I have my co-host, Jaden, and former guest, Calvin. Thanks for having me back. And we're going to continue our series on Denis Villeneuve films with Prisoners. So I actually think, first of all, this film is odd in a way because uh, we talked about Enemy last time, and uh, this film was actually released before Enemy, despite being filmed after it. And I also think it's interesting because they were both released alongside each other at the Toronto Film Festival, Yep, which is just odd to me how... That works like a, a a director who can manage like two uh, properties at the same time. I think is kind of amazing. Yeah, I can't even imagine trying to. There's a reason why filmmakers don't make as many movies as actors is because they're in part of every step of the creative process or a, a significant number of them. So to be, he was talking about like going on a plane and like he would he finished editing uh enemy and then he got on a plane to go shoot for prisoners and then come back and work on the sound mixing for enemy like wow, within a week like yeah. that's like and he was like jake you're coming along with me let's go yeah exactly yeah. like that's probably why he like well for convenience sake i'm just gonna recast <laughs> over here. there's actually a um uh, ryan gosling actually um Audition for the part of Loki, which Jake Gyllenhaal eventually got. But I, I wonder if maybe there was, yeah, there's some of that like continuity between, you know, like the director and his actor. Yeah. He was like, you yeah. know, maybe I'll just drag you along for this one. I he know that's so a, good, so. the premise of Loki is what you really wanted to make Anthony in, an enemy. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or maybe it's movie. just all for the airline, Miles. What if, what if <laughs> enemy is taking place in the subconscious of Detective Loki? Loki. No? Okay. I'm just talking very misogynistic. So, just a little stats on the film. This had a budget of $46 million, which we couldn't find the budget for Enemy, but this is clearly a bigger budget film. This is more conventional film. It's another, it was a much broader US release than Enemy was, and it made $122 million, which is like respectable, I think, for your first kind of big, because this was technically his first like English language film that he released. Uh, on a, in a theatrical release, so it's like that's pretty respectable. Yeah. And the fact that this dude's gonna do Dune later, which is supposed to be an amazingly epic movie yeah, with a monstrous huge, budget, yeah, it's they, it's it's it must have such a big budget, and the studio's so worried about it. That's why they continued to delay it for like over a year, yeah, because they need the box office for yep. it. So. Yeah, and I actually think it's. I think it's only the first half. I think it's technically Dune Part One. Yeah, it is. There's supposed to be Part Two. Yeah, I think the the hope is that it's so well received that they can then make a Part Two, which would be tragic if they can't because it's an amazing novel. I would love to see the whole thing. Like, I mean, it looks stunning. Yeah, uh, I would love to see the whole thing realized on film. But yeah. if it's only Part One, I would be very sad if there's not a Part Two. But yeah, uh, uh, it was written by Aaron. Gusakowski, who um, has also written for that show on HBO Max, Raised by Wolves. Have you guys heard of that one? No. no. It's uh, directed by Ridley Scott, who is like, I assume, 100 years old now. I don't we know. We looked how it up, like, actually, I think, he's right? Like he's like 80. He's yeah. over 80. Yeah, it's wild, and right? He's making movies still. Yeah. I don't love that show, but it has <laughs> a, a pretty big, I think, like sci-fi cult following it's yeah. it's a it's an odd show but but it's you know this this is not just some like nobody writer like he he's continued to do stuff that's uh successful so yeah. uh so yeah 
And he uh, based it on uh, uh, Edgar Allan Poe's um, short story, uh, The Telltale Heart, where he based his short story on Poe's short story and then adapted it into <laughs> That's a, interesting. a screenplay. Yeah. And so in The Telltale Heart, it's this uh, narrator who's going crazy, but, um, and he ends up killing um, a man who's in his care. Um, but he's going through all of the these this painstaking effort to tell the the reader that he's not crazy and but he's hallucinating hearing uh um the old man's heart still beating underneath the floorboard so i thought it was going to be really interesting bringing the idea of an unreliable narrator into this film um they they kept some parts of like how you know he brought in the this short story he brought in the uh, detectives and they had uh, they were talking because they had heard someone had reported hearing noise in the the night before from the man dying, and he was talking about how oh they can't hear him you know I, right. I was acting all calm and so we've obviously have a couple of that those instances but I I'm kind of I don't think that plays into this movie very much I at know kind of I'm kind of <laughs> underwhelmed in in what he could have done w- with the source material and where it ultimately goes. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a great landscape for characters here. I think as far as the genre goes, I think it's a really good version of like a you know your abduction crime thriller detective solving the case. I think it's a I think it's a smart version of that film. Um, I think in other hands it could have come across as maybe a little more campy or played out. And I think some of the detective work is a little played out in this. Kind of comes too easy. Uh, but that kind of brings me to my next question is I don't really think this is a film about the actual like plot points in the narrative of this story. So if, if you, if you, this to me is more of a character study, it's the characters that are interacting with this narrative around them. Like if you watch Rocky, that movie is about Rocky winning the fight. That's what the movie is about. He doesn't win. The, okay. Whatever. Rocky two, <laughs> whatever fucking movie he wins, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> But I'm saying those movies are, uh, the characters exist to drive the plot of that movie. The characters in this film do not exist to drive the plot of this film, which to me is why I think of this as more of a, a character study. It's more about the characters interacting with this story, that this, this, this conflict that's existing around them. They aren't necessarily driving it to, like, it's not a, this film is not about, like, a means to an end, I think. I think it's about uh, seeing these actors portray these characters in a really great way on screen. And that's what I think it's about. Do you guys agree with that? Or do you think this is like a plot-driven film? Um, I think it's kind of plot-driven. Okay. I think it's uh, like when you, come, when you said it about it's like a crime movie, I just feel like it's a really long episode of like Law & Order SVU. Like that's, like, that's how I feel about this movie. Really? Yeah. I think it's much more well done than an episode of SVU. I mean, it's like a very well done episode. Okay, yeah. very well done. Okay, okay. yeah. Like it's... it's, it's <laughs> It's like as good as that could possibly be. Yeah. Okay, no, but it yeah, still follows the same plot structure. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it's like um, no Villeneuve SBU. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I this movie is not interesting because of its plot. This movie is interesting no, because, because of, of the characters. characters. Yeah, which I, th- I think there's some fantastic acting in this movie. Right, I think a lot of it comes from uh, supporting characters. Yeah, but I'd I'd sum this film up as. Uh, Oh, the world of trouble and affliction. Right. Okay. That's, that's, I think without tipping my hand of what I ultimately think of the entire film as a whole, that's how I would describe it right now. 
I would describe this as a crime thriller that kind of blurs the lines between right and wrong, moral, immoral. Um, I think you have a very uh, godly, uh, a God-fearing man is one of your kind of main characters in this, and he's going to have to cross these lines. You have a, a detective who's going to have to cross some lines here. So yeah, I just see it's a it's a kind of a, a back and forth between moral and immoral. Like where what lines are you willing to cross is kind of how I describe this. Yeah, I mean that's one big question for sure. I mean would you do what he does? I mean, that's something you process in your inner mind, like in your thoughts, like while watching this, like, holy shit, if I was in his shoes and I thought this was like the answer, like how far would I go? Um, I don't know. This movie's okay. Uh, yeah. It's, I would say like prisoners of this film. When I'm watching it. Like I'm stuck here. I can't. You, you yeah. have to watch it. Yeah. I have, I have to do it. Um, Cause like, I mean, it's one of those things like you start watching. It's not like, this isn't a movie I could just like walk away from. Cause it's still done very well. So it's not like I can be like, okay, I'm uninterested in this plot. Now I'm going to leave, which I will do in movies. Right. Um, this one, I, I can't so subverted into it because like, a it looks amazing and the acting is done very well. Yeah. yeah. Gotta love, gotta love Jake Gyllenhaal. It's yeah. just, it's been a while since I feel like I've seen a movie with him in it. Now to watch two back to back. I can't, I can't Let's get go enough. watch Prince of Persia whenever you want, man. Yeah. And oh then my you... God, that exists. We talked. Why does that exist? We talked about this. You haven't seen Nightcrawler, have you? No, I haven't yet. Oh, you gotta check that. That's another great, End of watch too. Really yeah, you can't. I can't even tell you how many times people are like, "Oh, you're into film. You really gotta watch this my movie." And like, oh, I really don't think you actually want my opinion yeah. on your on your favorite movie. Have you seen <laughs> October Sky? I love I, that movie. I, it's a great. Yeah, I fucking yeah. love it's that amazing. movie. Yeah. I remember that movie pre Awakening, so okay. I have very. Rosy. I would actually. That would be a, a fun movie. I think. Yeah, to talk I about. haven't seen it in so long. I used to watch it all the time. And I was yeah. young, dude. Yeah. I have it on VHS. I still have it. I I remember watch going back and be like, oh my god, that's Donnie Darko. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that's a that's an uh, like a, I think an incredibly underrated forgotten film that Jake Gyllenhaal did. Donnie but, uh, Darko. No, uh, no, that's definitely not <laughs> forgotten no, or it, it feels like everyone knows that that it, it that movie is like oh it has such a cult following it just has a following now yeah. stop calling it a cult following everyone knows that that movie is now uh you know October Sky everyone should check that one out uh so yeah moving on uh, do we want to get into uh the look of this film because I think it's kind of important to have kind of a maybe like a thread kind of run through all these of kind of kind of the look and. And maybe we can tie it into other Denis Villeneuve films as we go forward, and we'll refer back to these ones. And we did Enemy previously, so maybe compared to that. I think one of the thoughts I have initially is uh, this film doesn't have the same kind of style as far as like establishing shots. I think uh, Enemy had a lot of, it has these like big aerial shots of Toronto. It like, really sets up the scene, and it has this kind of ominous um, score in the background. Uh, not that the score, I, I don't even think the scores between these two are much different. They're very kind of just a backdrop. They're not um, really influencing the scene in any way. But I do think that the cinematography, the style is a bit different. There's not these big, as far as like the establishing shot, I don't think you get that kind of wide scope of what you're seeing in this film the same way you got in an enemy. Yeah, which I think represents like this film all takes place in a town. I think that's a good way to yeah. kind of think of it. It's like it's maybe like a smaller smaller yeah. scale. Yeah. Whereas like Jake Gyllenhaal and Enemy is traveling from one end of the city to the other to live a double life or however. That yeah, no, that's goes. that's yeah. an interesting way to in- interpret it. I think it's probably it's probably intentional. Yeah. Um, and the look of the film, I think this one feels like more manufactured than like Enemy. Um, hmm. Like this doesn't feel like this. This film feels more to me like a basic like 
basic movie. I would say it's a conventionally filmed, yeah. where I think Enemy takes a lot more time to... Which is weird, because this movie is like an hour longer than Enemy. Yeah. But I think the Enemy takes a lot longer to like linger on some of its scenes, despite the fact that it has a slow runtime and it's hard to kind of... That movie doesn't have a ton of time to breathe, but it's still like... I think this movie is edited and cut together a lot quicker yeah. than Enemy is. I would agree with that, yeah. Uh, I would say the difference, though, is that we do have... Uh, significantly longer shots here in prisoners than we ever did in enemy there are a few shots that um that they go on forever like the the one scene where um he's got the hammer and he's smashing up the sink that that one lasts um over a minute um when franklin birch is getting undressed for one of the last times or he said he would come back later right um and then you see um Keller go back into the room to continue torturing Alex. And that's also a very long shot. Yeah. Um, they show the branch that was in the RV after Alex drove into the street. Uh, this is sits on there for like, it's not that long, but just to look at a branch, it's a long time. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's a lot more space for, for these types of, that's what's so crazy. What's, what's so great about, I don't know about great, but what, what is strange about this film is there are the longest shots are very intense. There's another one actually when the Birches come home and uh, we know that Bob Taylor had been through the house right. um, while Eliza was there. And it's it's all from them coming in the house, walking up the stairs and looking around for her. And then so there's a lot of tension in these long shots, which is why you don't really notice that they are so long versus where, you know, it's not like it's not like the Green Knight where we're just focusing on um, uh, an image that 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 kind of shimmers or moves. Right. Whereas this, there's all of this drama and we don't want to look away like a car accident. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a good way to put it. And, and yeah, I think this, uh, Denis Villeneuve, I think is, is it, while this is like a genre film where I think uh, Enemy was much more unconventional and these are these are two different kinds of films, but it's 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 nice to recognize kind of the differences between them and uh, some stuff that works well and others and doesn't work well compared to another one. And I think we'll, as we keep moving forward to these, you'll establish kind of other other things he does well. Cause like we're gonna talk about Sicario later, and that has like amazing action scenes in it, which is amazing to me that this guy can move between something like Enemy, which is like this very kind of cerebral uh, exploration of the subconscious, and then you get a, 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 a like a like a drug fueled you know shootout <laughs> at the Mexican border in Sicario, and so. You know, and I think that this movie is a stepping stone to that. This is like a really big feature length film that he, you know, got to release in the U.S. And like, that's kind of what I think this film launched him more in the U.S. than Enemy did. And so it's I think it's while I don't think that the narrative of this is entirely interesting, I just think the characters and the performances are amazing. And it's cool to see like a director get that stuff out of an actor. And and I think so. There's there's some cool things to talk about this in this. And I think we're going to focus more on the characters because just the narrative in general is, is something we're all familiar with. While it is tragic and it's something we can all relate to because it doesn't matter if you have kids or not, we all have people in our lives that w- it would matter if they disappeared. Oh, yeah. I mean, like if someone could have my dog. Yeah. Be on, dude. Or, I mean, he, you have a niece also. Yeah. I do believe I do have humans in my life, but yeah, they are a secondary yeah. concern. Like, yeah, that's number one. I mean, the animals, I feel like sometimes they're extensions of ourselves. Yeah. They're almost like animal projections. Yeah. You know? 
but I mean, rather I, than our anima rejection. <laughs> and that's like, all the Jung I have to bring to this episode. I think, so. <laughs> I think that's probably about right. But but I mean, like I, like I have five nieces and a nephew, and yeah. if one of them, that's if anything happened many. to them, I would be it would be devastating to me. So I think this is subject matter that we can all empathize with, and I think that's what kind of is able to draw you into this story, while the narrative itself is not like overly compelling. It's still like something I think you can attach on to and like feel for. But yeah, I think with that, uh, we just get into the characters. I want to talk mostly, I think I think the two main characters in this are Loki and uh, Detective Loki, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, and Keller Dover, uh, portrayed by Hugh Jackman. And I think there's an interesting dynamic between those two characters because, like I said, I think this this movie kind of, between those two, they, they blur the lines between morality, legality, and, and, and uh, ethics. Mm-hmm. Like, what is, what is permissible... And at, at what point is it permissible to like uh, achieve the goal of like solving this case? And I like this idea of Denis Villeneuve said it in an interview. It's a it's a it's a cowboy versus sheriff. So you have Hugh Jackman's uh, Keller Dover is the cowboy, and Detective Loki is the sheriff. And and I think depending on how you view the protagonist of this film, the other one is the antagonist. So I guess I want to know if uh, so, Calvin. If if you think of Loki as the protagonist like how do you think um keller is like opposing him on that so i think what's what's interesting is this this film is it doesn't say a lot but what it does say is it has this overarching theme of um of systems of institutions um so especially as it as we regard animals um so it's mentioned at the you know at the beginning we have he's uh reciting the Lord's prayer and then they shoot the, and kill the deer. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this all being God, but he's created a system of trouble and affliction, you know? So you have these, these oppositions, this were of animals trapped in cages, trapped in mazes, and we are trapped in institutions. So you have the uh, institution of of God, of the church, you have the institution of, um, of the state. Um, Loki is really interesting that he also has a Masonic ring. Um, yeah, he's like a, a Freemason ring on yeah. Yeah. So Which, uh, a little fun fact that was all, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's idea, yep. like the ring and then the tattoos he has, those are all just things he, he wanted to bring to the character. And, and Calvin had mentioned it in our enemy review where he uh, talked about like, uh, Denis Villeneuve being an auteur and but but he's still willing to kind of take uh, take on ideas that maybe his actors have and maybe kind of work them into his film if he thinks they work and I think that's just an example of you know Jake Gyllenhaal just had this idea and he was like you know what that kind of fits the vision of my film and uh, describing him as the final author of this film it's kind of nice that he was able to work kind of those little, those little pen strokes into his into his uh, you know his signature at the end you know yeah exactly and so and that's and it just it also reinforces the idea of Loki being uh, an institution or part of the institution, and then you have him um, in direct conflict with Keller, who, you know, when when uh, gas dries up and uh, the grocery stores don't have food, it's uh, everyone turns on each other. Um, you know, so that's his idea. Of yeah, like, all that stands between you and being dead is you. Yep. So yeah, so the individual within the system. And so that's where all of, you know, you, exactly what you're saying, like why they're in such direct conflict with each other is because they represent um, diametrically opposite 
um, ideas of of how society works, of how the world works, um, and and how we go about how we go about achieving the goals that we want. What do you think about their conflict, Jaden? Um, I think it's hard. It's hard to clarify one of them as an antagonist or one of them as a protagonist. Um, and they both are still ultimately going after the same goal, which is for the greater good. One of them obviously goes about it in a very different way that's like pushing the lines of like what's right and wrong. And I mean, as far as I'm concerned, way oversteps it. Um, <clears throat> but I don't think that they are working initially against each other, despite the fact that uh, that Loki follows him for some time. Um, because they're still, once again, going after the same end goal. And the antagonist is supposedly the woman at the end. Um, but... I think, yeah, it, but it's like... That, it's it's so saying, it's like, it's yeah. hard. It's the there's same so way I felt. There's so much drama before that that leads yeah. up to her. But it's like, I, I think there's so much drama between these two characters before yeah. then that, like, leads to that. I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of drama to him. Uh, I felt kind of the same way in Enemy. It's like... I don't think there's actually a clear protagonist or antagonist. I feel the same way about this because like there's definitely certain points where Hugh Jackman makes me feel like I'm like, I fucking don't like this dude. Yeah. I think they're, they're two tough characters to watch because they're both stepping over these lines where, uh, I think Hugh Jackman, where he, he, uh, you know, abducts Alex because he thinks he's the one who's kidnapped his child mm-hmm. and he's crossing all these lines. Yeah. But then you also have Loki who is going around I mean, he he's breaking entering into like every every opportunity he gets. Like it's like yeah. nonstop. He like he can't help himself. See, to me, and that so it's like his actions are the things that blur the line. Is where Hugh Jackman crosses like completely. I guess it depends on the perspective yeah. you have. Because I mean, if you look at it from like a legal perspective, he's breaking the law. Like, yeah, he's yeah, and none of the things that he would discover would be permissible in court. Exactly. So like, it's not like he's even ach- accomplishing anything. I think the only one you could describe as blurring the line is when he uh, in, he's going to the priest's house and he sees him passed out. Yeah. I think you could have probable cause to be like, I thought he was dead. Yeah. So you I, break in. And then ultimately he turns that into uh, a way to investigate the house, yeah. which is kind of... Uh, I mean, I'm just speaking morally. Sketchy, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But that's why I think that these two characters mirror each other really well is because they're both they're both willing to cross the line just in a different a different fashion. Yeah. And again, it's to achieve the same goal. Uh, I, that's why I think it's 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 interesting to think of them as kind of these like uh, like these juxtaposed characters who are are inherently kind of working against each other because if, if they just came together, they'd probably accomplish more. Or if one of them just backed off, then yeah. one of them might achieve their goal much easier. Yeah, if like one of them just like yeah. let the other dude do his job. Which well, is kind of actually, the, I think I I don't think they would have. You know, if you think about it, I think I think the plot is set up in such a way that if uh, they weren't both doing exactly what they were doing, they wouldn't have found them. Yeah, see, that's see, that's a. I, on my second yeah. time, I was like, you know, he didn't need to abduct Alex. Like, oh no, that he needed to abduct Alex for them for him to put all the pieces together. Because the only thing that even with uh, Bob Taylor getting found out, all that they would have found is the um, maybe the the, the corpse with the necklace yeah right that's the only connection but it's still a dead end we still don't get back to um uh what's what's her name uh holly holly jones we we can't make that connection still that's fair it's 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 an odd way how i, I guess you're right it's an <clears throat> odd way how they somehow these these two opposing forces somehow tie together to like resolve the film yeah and yeah. without like i just that's one of the things i don't understand about this film is it doesn't 
it doesn't make a moral judgment about either one of them. It kind of doesn't, especially at the end where um, Loki is talking to Keller's wife, and he's like, "What what's going to happen if you find my husband? He's like, probably go to jail. But then that's like never resolved either. Like, yeah. Uh, there, yeah. There's kind of like in a lot of... Yeah, but she's like, he did what he had to do. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, it, it's, that's, that's, that's a pretty fucked up thing to say. Like that. I think that's, yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. I think there's there's another scene, um, and and I kind of want to get into these more powerful scenes, like more uh, later. But there's a part where you know uh, they have Alex in that kind of torture chamber, <laughs> the confession booth. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like. God, that there's so much. That's a terrifying way to put it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's that's literally the whole like yeah. all of Keller is meant to um, is all of, it's it's religious institution. Like he's becoming a part of the institution. Like he he, he mentions how he hopes that someone is looking out for joy the way that uh, Franklin looking is out. Yeah. looking out and and he keeps praying to God and his institutions keep failing him and yet mm-hmm. he's turning into the institution to. Um, by mirroring the Catholic confession booth in order to torture someone in order to get what he wants. Right. It's it's weird how he, he combines the idea of the institution with his approach to being an individual in order to inflict the most pain and affliction he can. Right. And I think a, like an interesting part of that scene is uh, Franklin's going to, he wants to kind of break the thing open and let Alex out. And it's not till his wife, Nancy's like, she's like, leave it alone. Yeah. She's like, we're not going to stop Keller, but we're also not going to help him. And I also kind of like that dynamic between Franklin and Nancy because it shows that, like, you have a really, like, loving, like, warm, fatherly figure. And it's kind of juxtaposed by a more dominant, you know, mother character, which I think is not something you see in film very often. It's like because he kind of stands down as soon as Nancy's like, stop, like, let it go. And I think that's like a that's like a cool kind of dynamic you don't see in a lot of film. Yeah. I do like too the the way they treated um the fact that the birches are black. Um I think that we need more more representation in film where we're not making it the point, oh they're black and we're not harping on the the relations of them being different. They're just they're just people. Yeah, they just went over for Thanksgiving yeah. dinner and that's it. Yeah, and that was the very, extent of the relationship. Yeah, they're very like normal. That. Like I obviously there are stories that need to be told about uh race relations um and about people with different experiences. But I loved how this was very much like there there weren't even like casual jokes um thrown about about different about no, them being yeah. racist, which I thought was like I thought that was in really good taste. It was like these are just these are just people and they're all on the same yeah. level. I, I like what you said. It's it's nice to establish like a family like this that is not like a it's not the point. The point is not like they're they are black and they are uh, you know, it's not like oh let's go see our like our our friends who live in an impoverished neighborhood or let's let's bring our yeah, they're not built on stereotypes yeah. at all they break all conventions of, yeah. of what we would consider black stereotypes or black representation in media it's nice to see like let's see an established well-to-do black family and it's not odd like mm-hmm. let's just and it wasn't like oh let's invite them over to our house for thanksgiving because we have a better house than them. It was like they went to their house and i think that's nice i i agree with you it's, it's nice to have that kind of convention of uh, let's let, kind of play up the uh, difference in socioeconomic status. It's nice to just have a a good story where you can you know you can you can just have friends who are are people of color and and they can interact together. And I think it's done well in this. I think that's a that's a good point to bring up. Um, the lions are playing on the TV. 
I did see that. Okay. I thought it was nice because yeah. it is Thanksgiving. I, like, I know this house. Like, it better be fucking the Twitter <laughs> I Dallas, thought that. dude. <laughs> I thought that, and, too. Yeah, I was like, thank God they did it right. Um, I think the old Davis does a really good job in this movie. Uh, her acting in the scene where she hands Jake Gyllenhaal the photo of her daughter. I like that a lot, too, yeah. So it's like, so she's very subtle in it, but you can tell you when the camera uh, gets to her while Jake Gyllenhaal is walking up to her, uh, she's very worried. And she has all this like crazy, like I think, emotion going on. And then since uh, Loki speaks to her, she kind of throws that away because she has a task that she has to perform to help her daughter now. And I think just like in her subtle mannerisms, like she d- displayed that perfectly in that scene. I think I'm glad you say that because I think that that whole interaction where because Loki goes to the Franklin's house, like uh, their house first. Yeah, and he has the interaction with Nancy, and and I love that where she's like. These are not good pictures. My yeah. husband gave you. She's like, you can see her. You can see Joy's eyes better, better in each yep. picture. And I love that. Like you said, it's like she she throws that away, and she's very concise and clear on what she can do to help. Mm-hmm. And then Loki has a different interaction with uh, Grace Dover, yeah. where she's concerned about the polygraph, and then it's almost like she has a kind of a hopeful feeling, kind of like. You know, the, everyone's going to think we're crazy when they just yeah. like come out of hiding. Like, well, it's because she can't cope with it. That's why yeah. she starts doing drugs and drinking. And I think that's stuff. Yeah. I think that's like an interesting scene to set up kind of how everyone's going to start dealing mm-hmm. with this. Where where I think, like you said, Viola Davis, she starts out like very goal oriented. Yep. And then I think that bleeds over later on to when she's like, hey, let Keller do what he has to do because that will achieve our goal. Yeah. And then uh, you get to, to Grace who kind of is starting to lose it. And then you get to Keller, who is like very aggressive and upset about the whole thing because yeah. he can't understand. Like, I-, I love how Loki, he's like almost like apathetic. He's like, listen, sir, we're doing our job. Just let me do my job. He, yeah. he doesn't seem like overly concerned with the case itself. He just but, he's concerned with solving it. Yeah. yeah. But I think you see as the as the movie goes on, that's not really how he feels. Like yeah. he's very involved in the film in, yeah. in the in solving the case. He's very like even emotionally involved in mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I don't I think it's not that he's not uh, involved in the case, he's that he just doesn't care about Keller's opinion. He he sees more um of what he's done. He's he understands that his perspective is one that isn't clouded by um, emotional judgment right now and it's thinking straight like we're we're exploring all possibilities so yeah. quit quit being an ass right now yeah no I, I i agree with that i i just think that when he first comes across so when you're first introduced to loki he's having i mean it's thanksgiving he's having thanksgiving dinner at a chinese restaurant by himself in the middle of the rain mm-hmm. this is a guy who clearly doesn't have a, a social life family life he doesn't have friends that he cares about, like he's, I think, so engrossed in his job that it's not a big deal to him to be out having Thanksgiving meal at a Chinese restaurant. And as soon as the call comes in that they, they, so this is after the the two girls have disappeared and he gets the call about the RV and he just immediately answers it and goes. It's like he he is his job. Like that's who he is as a person. He is engrossed in this job as being a detective. And I just like that it's, it's sort of initially portrayed as maybe like apathy. And then later on he's gets very emotional when like this case seems to kind of unravel in front of him and he can't solve it. He thinks he's like lost all of his leads. And then later on he, you know, he figures it out. But I kind of like that sort of conclusion to his character where it's like, he's as a parent, I think listening to him, you'd be like, dude, you just don't care, which I think is portrayed really well in that scene. Yeah. And then you see like his emotion later on where he's just like, he gets really upset with like his police captain. He's like, I, I wanted you to hold Alex for one more day. Yeah. 
and and they he he gets there's a couple scenes where he like he's like dogging on his on his captain and it's kind of amazing how that there's like a clearly like the power dynamic should lie with the captain but loki has all the power in yeah. that in that relationship which is i think is really interesting because mm-hmm. he's like this i think keller refers to him and says uh, he's like you're the shit hot de- shit hot detective figure it out like, yeah I think it's really good so i, I want to talk about loki maybe in that trickster archetype and i think it's a little on the nose that they literally name him loki so if you kind of broaden your maybe description of what a trickster is it's a a rule breaker sometimes through like malicious means to um achieve a a positive outcome which i think is a a a really poignant way to put loki's character in this and that's that's kind of why i think the name detective loki is like really on the nose because he does i mean he's constantly breaking rules to and, and and he's pretty brutal to the uh, the suspects of this case. He's he's uh, like overly aggressive and very physical. Yeah, it, it kind of drives one of them to kill himself. Like it, this is again, this is not a likable character, but I think he kind of fix fits part of that trickster archetype where he's like he, you know he's he's a rule breaker, but it's eventually to like a a positive end. And so I wonder what you guys think of that. Do you think it's like too much on the nose? Like do you yeah. think, do you think he fits that? Do you think he, maybe not like your more traditional trickster archetype, but do you think he fits some part of that? I think so, and I think it's like less on the nose. Like his no, his name is less on the nose, and just like his subtle actions and like who his character is, like his posture and his knuckle tattoos, and he doesn't wear a seatbelt and all this stuff. Is like he's supposed to be this. I'm the edgy detective, and I do things that are wrong to get the job done. Yeah, and no, it's I, just very. It's, it's pretty boring, if you ask me. No, no, I get yeah. that. No, yeah, and I'd say too. Loki, what Loki seems to represent here for me is I, I don't get the the trickster vibe as much. Um, I can I can see that that's a that that's a good way of um making the character and saying like yeah they're they're a rule breaker for um you know means to an end. Uh, I felt like the the name Loki was meant to evoke uh, a pagan content connotation to set him apart from uh keller's more devout christian outlook um oh okay no i like that take on it yeah and that's that juxtaposes them even more with all the kind of religious kind of uh, connotation and background surrounding keller yeah makes sense and it really establishes loki as being an outsider compared to everybody else um being a loner um and obviously just having a lot of baggage growing up you know, Huntington boys school and things like that. So I think that the way he created the character is really interesting. I don't love the name. Um, you know, like you're saying, it's, it's, it's not like it's saying anything that isn't already on screen. Yeah. It, it doesn't give you any, any greater detail, uh, into his mind or, um, the, any his symbolism or whether he means anything thematically it's just a i found it frustrating that he was named that i kept looking for for like more because if you're going to give something like that obvious away then obviously there's another layer that because this obvious one is meant to be a breadcrumb to lead you to a deeper realization and that never came right so i was I, actually frustrated by that i think it's about as surface level as what i said just kind of a basic description of kind of what a trickster is is kind of all that name really means mm-hmm. i think it's still fine and and again i think this this film is this is a more conventional general audience film 
which so you probably kind of want to spell things out more than he did an enemy like i think we we maybe get caught up on like that film a little too much because <laughs> we liked it so much and we're expecting kind of that same kind of cerebral experience from denis Villeneuve. uh and this is not that kind of film it's just uh i mean it's i don't want to say it's like cookie cutter i think it's i think as far as the genre goes it's well done but i still think it's it's still just a genre movie yeah it's a I think it's as good as the genre can get, but yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan. So. It's a yeah, yeah, it's a genre movie with I think really powerful performances in mm-hmm. it, and and leading into that, I think one of the performances like I scenes I like really enjoy in this, or, or maybe not enjoy, but I'm I'm really captured by is all the stuff with uh, Hugh Jackman and uh, Paul Dano is amazing. Like it's it's. It must be really tough to watch this as a parent, and 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 it's like Jaden said earlier. It's like, what would you do in those circumstances? Like, yeah. how far would you go? And it's just like all like the torture chamber stuff, and then like when he has the hammer and he's he's banging away at the at the sink, smashes the hammer in front of uh, Paul Dano's face, uh, Alex. Yeah, it's like uh, it's I think those elevate this movie probably to a level it shouldn't really be at. Yeah, it didn't necessarily earn. I right. just think it's like the performances and like the yeah right. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's like the performances. They're not. They take the they take the subject matter above what it's really giving Exa- okay, us yeah. to experience. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I I uh, I was listening to an interview with Hugh Jackman, and he he was saying I I I think it's the I think what he's talking about is the the scene with the, uh, where he's he's punching Alex, and he's he's just going over and over again, like tell me where they are. And he was like, yeah, he's like, we had, we had done the take a couple times and we finally, I think really got it. And I was like, yeah, that was a great take. I'm ready to be done with this. And Denis Villeneuve came to him. He's like, he's like, okay, I'm ready for you to go there now. You you have to actually do the scene now. I'm ready for you to get there. And he's like, Hugh Jackman's like, I thought I was there. He's like, Denis Villeneuve was like, nope, I need you to get there. And so they do the take one more time. And that's the one that ends up in the film. So I think it's kind of amazing, you know, like when these directors can like, elevate a performance out of an actor and which in turn elevates the movie kind of above what the subject matter really is like what you said so i agree with that it's i don't know i i think these scenes are really tough to get through uh, especially i i'm assuming parents have a tougher time getting through this than i do while i do love my nieces and nephew i can't i i am assuming there's a another level of uh of struggle with kind of uh you know what line will you cross as a parent but I still think those scenes are really tough like to watch, yeah. and they're really well done. Yeah, super difficult to watch. Uh, Paul E.D. does a great job acting in them. Paul E.D. He doesn't have like much dialogue or anything like that. Like, once again, it's all body language almost. And I mean, even when it's just him looking through the fucking hole. Yeah. Well, I'm like, how is it ha- an eyebrow, half a cheek, and an eye? Compelling and on so a screen. Good. Yeah. 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 No, I totally agree. Yeah, I think he does a great job. And uh, I mean, I have struggles with Hugh Jackman in those scenes because like, I hear angry Hugh Jackman and think of the Wolverine. It's like, <laughs> okay. I mean, that's not fair to him. And no, like, it's, it's not. Because he's, he's acting and he's doing his job and I don't think he's doing it poorly. It's just like, that's a narrative that's been set in my, my, my mind. It's like, you've been, you made nine of those movies over 17 years. Like, that's, I'm going to see you as that a lot. We talked about uh, kind of Matt Damon and how he's perceived yeah. in the collective unconscious in uh, Interstellar. Yeah. I think you could probably run into that same problem oh, with this yeah. film because everyone knows who Hugh Jackman is and they know the, the movie season. Yeah. And so it's it might be tough to separate kind of those things. 
for me when I watched this, I was I, I was I separated those and yeah. I, I saw like I saw a dad just like desperate to figure out and and solve this mystery and and, and get his daughter back. Yeah, yeah. I, I shouldn't. Think, no, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, I think that uh, Wolverine started um, my awareness of Hugh Jackman, but he exists in my mind as as Tom. Yeah, and in, in the fountain. It, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's really for me that that movie resonates so much on a personal level that I don't really care. Uh, no matter how many Wolverine movies I've seen. Um, <laughs> The, yeah, that that's that's the one that that uh, resides within me. Yeah, I mean, it's not even like throughout the whole film. It's just literally the only points when this, when he reminds me of his when he raises his voice. Yeah, and, and he gets it. that he gets yeah. that nice that nice raspy yeah. dry. I'm like, oh, okay. There's he even there's talks, Logan. Yeah. yeah, he even talks about that in an interview because uh, he was I think during the Toronto Film Festival when I watched this panel that he was on. He was also kind of in the middle of working on uh, Days of Future Past. Yeah. So he's literally still like that's, in and Wolverine that's the best mode. Yeah. So. So. Oh, I was about to say, I don't I, I haven't heard of that movie. And a movie even with Hugh Jackman. Oh, no. X-Men, <laughs> X-Men <laughs> Days of Future yeah. Past. Days like, of Future uh, Past would be a good name for like an actual movie. Yeah. Because like something that, that might be. Uh, that compelling. might even be a good name for The Fountain. But oh, my God. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, you're so exactly. right. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, he's still that. He still has like that. A character within him, I guess. I, I don't ever think I, but I understand what you're saying. I, yeah, I, you have that in your mind. And like I, I try to not like that's not something. I mean, it's not something I want to watch the movie and I want to watch him as his character. It just is something that's been drilled into my brain like my entire life. Like yeah, yeah. And one thing too that I find is really driven into my my uh, mind as well is the uh, is the Dark Knight. Where is she? Yeah, and like yeah. any movie that has anything like remotely that, like that's that, all I hear. Yeah, that's all I hear too. It's like <laughs> right. I feel like that's something you should stay away from because it's like, it, it's like akin to saying, "I am your father." Like yeah. in like a very non-ironic, like serious right. tone. Like it's, you're still gonna think like Darth Vader. Like yeah. that's why you don't wouldn't say that line. Yeah, there's literally a trailer of like a what's that movie coming out with Hugh Jackman? Some kind of weird reminiscence dream, dreamscape movie, and he yeah. literally says. Where is she? Yeah. The trailer. I'm exactly. like, oh, I fucking will never watch this, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. That looks like a terrible um, Inception ripoff. Yeah, it does. Uh, but speaking on, a, I think, another emotional scene with Hugh Jackman, which I actually think is better than the scenes he has with Paul Dano, uh, he's heading to his apartment to torture Alex more. Yeah. And uh, that's when uh, Loki's tracking him. And this, again, this is what I think of. If you view if you view one as the protagonist, the other must be the antagonist. So if you think that in these scenes, yeah, yeah, right. if you if you think of Keller as the protagonist about to kind of carry out justice on who he thinks has stolen his child, well, then Loki is the antagonist following him, and he you know he gets caught. Keller goes to the liquor store to kind of cover his tracks, and then Keller goes to the car and he's like, "Why are you following me?" And you know, uh, Loki tells him to get in the car, and I think there's an incredible emotional scene there. Where I mean, uh, Keller's like screaming. He's like, "Find my daughter!" You know, yeah. and I think it's. I think that I actually that scene resonates more with me uh, as far as like the core of Keller's character more than the like torture scene. Yeah, the torture scenes are does. not the core of Keller's character at all. That's yeah. him breaking outside of like what he thinks is right or like that's not who he is. Right, right. It's like it, when he says the line earlier in the movie. It's like in those moments, it's the, the only thing standing between you and death is you. Right. And in his brain right now, the only thing, the only thing standing between his daughter and death 
is him. Right. So he has to do everything that he possibly can. And see, I think the film is is saying that that's who he is. I think like like he's listening to the radio and the uh, preacher is talking about how humans are born to this world into trouble and affliction. We weren't born in as man, but as sinful man. And this is just the logical conclusion of someone even as devout or holy or good as Keller living in a world like this. They're going to turn into this because that is their nature. Yep. And so that's what I find. This 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 film is frustrating for that reason. It's still just like it's just it's just bleakness for the sake of bleakness. Yeah. Right. And I I think you can even see that in like the kind of the way the cinematography is. It's a lot of like grays, blacks browns there's a lot of well i think i i don't know if i mentioned earlier it feels like trees are a big emphasis in this and mm. you know the opening shot is on trees as they're hunting there's a, a there's a zoom on a tree when they're at the thanksgiving dinner yeah it feels like a, it, I, like, there's yeah, a zoom just, on the branch after they remove it from the rv when they're investigating yeah it. he it, hits a tree with the fucking rv like it just feels like it, it, but they're all like these autumn or, or like uh, coming on winter trees with no leaves which is kind of uh, thematically like a bleak feel to it you know it's like this is kind of the time of year where everything's dead and and you know it's like kind of it sets the tone i think i i, I don't know that it's like uh, maybe it's on purpose. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I, I thought like trees somehow like were very purposeful in a lot of these shots. Yeah. Especially in the Birch's front, um, front lawn, the way that they, I don't know if they set this up for the filming or whether the house is set up this way, but they have like floodlights at the base of every tree. I thought that was just a really cool look, whether or not that's what they meant to film. Um, I might, you know, if I had, ho- if I had trees that big in my front yard, I'd probably light them that way because it's just a really cool aesthetic. I think yeah. it's the same way. I, you know, not, um, spoiling the end, but, uh, when Loki shows up to, um, was it Holly's, Holly's house? Uh, there's, he pulls up and there's these, there's like three trees in the back and they're all lit up and you can, I mean, it, that's why it like, stuck out to me that you can see these trees it's the middle of the night but they're they're lit mm. and so i i think that's another again that just kind of adds to i think it's maybe it's supposed to expose the bleakness of this kind of whole situation they're in is like these are kind of essentially they look like dead trees you know it, this is not this is not a time of year where you're you're hopeful it's not spring you're not yeah. you're not you're not excited about new life it's it's they're they're in a very bleak situation i think like the cinematography is supposed to kind of play that up yeah, I mean, even uh, even audibly, like uh, when they're searching through the forest, like the finder, and all you just the whole time just leaves crunching and crunching and crunching because there's just piles of them. Yeah, the sound design is very is very minimalistic in terms of musical score and very heavy on yeah. sound effects. Yeah, I think um, when they when Loki goes to investigate the RV, that's um, that Alex is in. He has it parked outside a gas station, and it's just like it's almost all you hear is just rain. There's maybe some like thunder crackling in the background yeah. but it's it's like it, the whole sound design is kind of revolved around the yeah. just the sound of rain there's like a, yeah i think there's a lot of like nature tones in this and it's i think the loudest tone is uh windshield wipers you hear it yeah, multiple I, times mm. yeah. yeah especially at the end how do i get get yeah. to that scene later so before we move into the end i want to establish some of our i think more clear antagonists so one of them is bob um, I guess is an antagonist. How is he not, Calvin? <sighs> I have, honestly, I misinterpreted a couple things the first time I watched this, and on my second, on my second watch, I was like, "Wow, this is actually way more 
way less interesting than I thought it was. <laughs> I didn't catch at the end that she says, I, far- I forgot all about Bobby Taylor. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought... I thought they were in coots. I thought he was a patsy. I thought he was literally supposed to be a fall guy, and that's why he killed himself. That makes so much more sense of why he's in this movie at all. Because otherwise, <laughs> he's like he's just like like you were saying, like an SVU character. Like yep. he's just meant to pull the audience around by their nose into the next. Like, oh, this is the new suspect. He doesn't. He doesn't mean anything. Oh, he showed up at the. At the memorial site, and he's acting strange yeah, and runs like, away. Yeah, he's like, petting a little, a little yeah. doll. Like, oh, that's that's insidious. And the detective just happens to catch him, and they look each other in the eye. That's, that's why I think this this movie isn't really about detective work or uncovering the mystery of this kidnapping. I, I don't think that's what this movie is about at right. all. And but, but we're creating, we're we're manufacturing intrigue that didn't need to to be manufactured yeah. by including Bob. He, really? Okay. They, they mean, because the thing is, is like he's he's not connected with them. I thought he was actually connected with them too, which would m- make sense why he's going and stealing the clothes. But he's literally just following the news and in acting, play acting like the 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 kills that his father. Would How the have fuck done. does he have toads full of snakes? Because that's it looks because that's cinematic. His, yeah, and that's it looks what is cool on screen. Yeah, that's, that's why. probably what is terrible. Yeah, and that's probably what his dad or you know whatever they you know Father Jones. Um, or husband Jones, whatever you want to call him, the corpse guy, um, did, and he's just mimicking all of the things that he saw. Um, yeah, that's why kid. he's drawing the maze that's on his necklace everywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, I think that's, it's it's misleading in a really unfortunate and annoying. I I also thought that um, at one point that um, I also I misinterpreted what Joyce said when she woke up. When she woke up on the hospital, she looked at Keller and she was like, "You were there." And then it cuts to memories of them getting abducted. Yeah, I thought that was Keller. Me in a, too. In the hood. And then I also thought that it was um, what's her face, Grace, picking, uh, grabbing, grabbing uh, Joy in the last scene. It's not. I I thought all of that was like. Because that I thought that's why Grayson was concerned about the polygraphs, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. It, it but it like it like it makes sense about like why of all of those things. Like it doesn't make sense like why they would have done anything, but it would have made this film a little bit more interesting. And that's why all I, she meant was yeah. like you were at the house, I saw you, and that's I read way too much into it, and I'm, I'm kind of thankful. I'm a, I'm a simple man. I knew exactly what was going on <laughs> in those scenes. I was like, okay, no, I get it. Well, because it was like, just like, it was just that Keller had visited the house that yeah. they were being held in. Yeah, well, I was, I like, was okay, so confused I get that. by that montage though. Yeah. it looked like it was trying to show them. Like, yeah, something understood. Else. Like very very quick after after Keller takes off and he's like, he leaves. Like, oh, he's going to to uh, what's your face's house. But like, yeah, at first I was like, oh, did he fucking do it? Sweet. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, why then? Why would he kidnap Alex? Is that all a farce? What's going on? And that would have made so much more sense with the uh, source material of the Telltale Heart. You know, he yeah. was we everything that we had seen so far. His idea of um, Alex choking the dog on the leash. This that all could be manufactured be, um, as his interpretation of or explanation to someone else of why he did all of the things that he did is because he's an unreliable narrator because he's a crazy person who has locked someone in a torture chamber chamber confession booth in in uh, a rundown apartment uh, bathtub. And so we can then start to see unravel this mind of this this person that's really just a sadist. Um, but that's that's not in what ends up happening. It's 
it's very confusing to me then that that's like ultimately what it is. Yeah, I think you were. Well, like, like that, why? Why? That, question they're looking Keller. for more than what yeah. you're supposed to. Well, they to we kept movie. questioning Keller the whole time. Yeah. You know, like they were they were like, did he just hear what he, what you wanted to hear? And I was like, okay, Telltale Heart. Yeah, no, I whole... I think I'm just I think I'm I'm out of all of us. I'm probably just the best at understanding film. <laughs> you know, so so Calvin, after this, we'll, we'll have a little tutor session. I'll go over this with you, and it's fine. You know, I'll, we can figure yeah, it out. I'll I'll consult. Carl, <laughs> friend, what, friend what, of the podcast, Carl. Yeah, yeah see, see what he has to say about maybe some uh, shadow self animus projection. I'm sure there's some phallic mother things that I'm missing here. <laughs> uh, but speaking more on uh, on Bob, I love the scene where uh, Loki confronts him at his house, and uh, he's like, "Oh, you're at the mall today." He's like, "Do you get anything?" He's like. Oh, some suits, and he's like, "Yeah, you look kind of run down." He's like, "Not all of us can buy suits from Brook Brothers," and <laughs> and then and then and then Loki starts laughing, and it's like kind of like a to me, it's like a genuine like, "Are you kidding me, man?" Like, <laughs> he's like, "You're buying children's clothes," and then that's yeah. and then that's again another part where Loki's blurring this line where he you know he's he, I mean he just busts in the house. He has no probable cause to do anything like that. But I still think it, 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 it lines up with his character really well. Yeah, because he's still morally correct. Like, I mean, yeah, stuff like, you know, once the kids are in there, yeah, like, he may not be able to solve the solve the mystery or whatever, but or solve the case, but he can save their lives. And that's kind of the reason why he does these things without waiting for the proper permission. I like I like the part where he is, like you brought up, he yeah. he's bust opening these like pelican cases, these chests, and all the snakes pop out. And you can tell he's like, he's like afraid kind of. Yeah disgusted by it but he continues to bust them open because you don't know maybe one of them's in there maybe yep. maybe there's so i just think another kind of little character moments he has which i i assume is just jake chillenhall doing this is uh he like blinks really deliberately yeah it's a he called it an eye twitch i watched an interview he did he he made this uh when he was reading the script before he even like started acting in the movie he's like i want he's like he said uh to be a detect a detective you have to have the mind of a serial killer but also the one who wants to stop it and he's like, so I wanted to act kind of like crazy. Oh, okay. Yeah. I kind of get that. Yeah. And I think you get to the sense that he maybe had drug problems or a psychotic break Something as, a, like, that. as yeah. like a young kid, like obviously being in Huntington Boys School. So he has like he's shitty like, worn like, out tattoos. And, right. yeah, yeah. He's got a really weird past that creates this kind of mystique about him. I get annoyed because I do that like when I get really annoyed or upset. Like someone will say something to me, and I just, I, I just keep like blinking like that, and I, and I saw it in the movie, and I was like, oh my god, is that what I look like? That's insane. That's funny. Uh, but I, 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 I realize I, I tend to do that sometimes. It's like, okay, I need to stop that uh, idiosyncrasy I have within myself. So it's funny that you say that because Jake actually says the same thing about like sometimes he has that urge still, like or whenever that interview was uh, was done, it was after the film, but he said he would still find himself like. All of a sudden, it was just like a, a a tick, like, and he said it was really difficult to 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 think of all of these different personas that you create and how they kind of become a part of you. Um, and I just thought that was that was interesting. I think that's like why he is so good is because he really embodies not just a, a mind state, but also this somatic expression of right. what uh, a character is. I think that kind of culmination of a lot of his kind of maybe ticks and stuff is when he. Uh, Keller leaves the hospital after they found Joy, and 
he like he like drives his truck over like a median or something like that trying to get he just like yeah like he just goes four-wheeling <laughs> yeah like not even like a median like it's just a straight up like sidewalk <laughs> like <laughs> that whole thing is landscaped <laughs> yeah yeah um and then uh loki's like he's like i know where you're going and he just starts blinking like crazy yeah. like i think that's the scene where he's like he's like okay i've got this figured out and he's like he's like really psycho about it like, yeah because i think in that part you can really see like a lot of those kind of like ticks come mm. out or when bob kills himself right yeah yeah, yeah and so i want to get into that because i think that's when this movie really I, I would describe this movie as having a very deliberate pace throughout it i don't think it's slow i think it's it, it very wisely chooses where it's going to put its tension points to keep the audience involved but then it still has like kind of lulls between it but it still has like good beats in between i think this is the part where it all kind of comes together and uh loki is like he he thinks he's kind of failed on anna and that's when he has like the kind of breakdown where he's like smashing his desk and he's 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 kind of losing it and i think that's kind of where it all ramps up and you know he's this is the part where i think kind of all the um detective work has kind of played out because i don't think that detective work is very important in this film he starts realizing all these clues all of a sudden like he has a he has a note in his in his uh notepad um about someone coming into the keller house and uh at, at first um grace is the one who tells him she's like are you gonna write this down yeah oh and you know like what's really interesting about the notepad if you notice <laughs> like it's actually the same hat writing as uh adam bell's well it's probably just uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thompson handwriting. are you being serious or are you uh, <laughs> no. sure being yeah because yeah. you know it's all jake gyllenhaal uh, okay <laughs> I, I i don't know i i wonder if maybe another movie it. with jake Hall handwriting is zodiac handwriting's yeah. a big part of that one yeah and whether you can change it naturally or not that's a really good movie too i do like it. I, like that I haven't one. seen that um uh, pre-awakening so <laughs> um but I, I i do like that i don't maybe i don't like that's the wrong way to put it. it he does have callbacks to like kind of all these like maybe kind of clues that he didn't quite get at first and then all of a sudden he's getting all of them like he goes back to the Keller house and he finds the missing sock because uh, earlier uh, Keller had uh, seen one of the socks from uh, Bob's evidence that had blood all over and he identifies it. So they think Anna's dead. Uh, but then he finds the other sock <coughs> just missing outside. It's just like kind of all this stuff just kind of happens all at once. All the detective work is just immediately solved. Yeah. And now he, he knows what's going on. And again, I don't think that's the point of this movie. I just think it's really played out. I guess I would tend to agree with Jaden. That's like an SVU episode where yeah. it's just like all of a sudden it's just like it's solved. Dun dun. Yeah. yeah. And it's also the same same way that they tie tie up uh, Bob Bob's character as well. He yeah. by killing himself. It just get rid of him real quick. Yeah. Like exactly. We're like, done. There's no reason for yeah. him to even kill himself. He or be in the movie. Yeah. He exactly. If if he didn't do anything, there's no reason to have killed himself. We already find out that he. That, doesn't then we find out he doesn't do he didn't do anything anyways i think he just because he's he's playing out these kidnappings and murders on his own with like mannequins and stuff and so i think he just feels guilty by proxy and so now that he's kind of in a way been caught his way out is to kill himself it's like he feels i mean he feels guilty for something he hasn't literally done but he still feels guilty about it so like i I get why he went through with it and it makes for a dramatic scene so yeah, I, th- which but is I think fine. that's what, I think that's what's confusing is it's it's meant we would get the drama out of him 
out of something else you know it's 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 manufactured in a way as to make it seem like the 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 story is going somewhere like there's oh this is the real guy and it doesn't end up being that way and then to kill him is just because like well we kind of need a logical end to this i think it's more i think all of the involvement of bob in this movie is more to drive um loki's character I don't. I don't even think it really has anything to do with Bob. It's just to kind of maybe, I, I guess, to get Loki to the point where he's more involved than he was before, because now he feels like he's closer than ever to solving the case. And then he kills himself, and now Loki's further away than he thought he was. So I think it's just more to drive his character more than it is to have like Bob as an actual uh, a suspect. You know? Yeah, I just feel like there are better ways that would have. I I tend to agree with that. That that, that would have. Yeah, I just... He could have not been in the movie and it would have probably played out the same to me. Or honestly, you know, just take away the line at the end where she says, I forgot about Bobby Taylor. Yeah. Because honestly, then I would have probably... I came away with the film thinking that he was like meant to be uh, the fall guy because that makes a lot more sense with all of his other actions then. So you're talking about the I forgot Bobby Taylor line. That's, uh, That's what Holly says. Uh, played by uh, Melissa Leo. And I think there is an interesting uh, dynamic to that character. Uh, Denis Villeneuve said in an interview that he thought that if she came across as too, like, grandmotherly or, like, matronly, that when there's kind of the reveal that she's the one behind all this, it would be, like, laughable. Because, you know, why would... It's essentially like Betty White kidnapping someone. Like, you wouldn't take that seriously. No, yeah. But if she's sense. but if she's like too cold blooded in her scenes, then, then you know right it would away. be obvious. Yeah. So it'd be like an SVU movie. Yeah, yeah. That's why she wears turtlenecks the whole yeah. movie to cover up her. Emotions. Although actually, it would it would be more like SVU. She does wear a lot of turtlenecks. The only thing yeah. she wears. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Although the the one thing about like SVU and like you know um, any any crime drama is it's always someone that that you originally cleared. And the, the 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 twist at the end is unearned because you just didn't get that clue. And it, I don't know if that's. I mean, that's basically the way it is here too. Like, I get, I get, I don't ever thought of her. Uh, maybe I was dumb the first time I watched this movie. I didn't like suspect her. Yeah, that was going to be. So a, that's a question I had for you guys. I, when I you, definitely when you suspected. First watched this. I suspected Alex. I thought that he was his whole mental state was a facade. Yeah, and I was like, he's pretending to not be smart, and then like he starts getting tortured, and I'm like, okay, no one will actually resist as much just to, I mean, to make to fake something like right to fake the way he is, and then he's like, when he's like, I'm not Alex, I'm like, oh shit. I've yeah. heard this described as like, and a, then that, and then that's when I'm like, it's got to be the lady, right? That's kind of when I figured okay. it out. Yeah, I, I keep hearing this described even by the actors involved. They they describe it as like a whodunit movie, which is like, I mean, I guess that's true. I just don't think there's enough who's to figure out who done it. Yeah. yeah so. Or to care. I mean, the other thing is too, is like he tries to kill himself when he drives into the tree. Right. Which would make sense. Why Bob tried to kill himself. Exactly. Like so that's what trying to, you're, you got to tie up all the it's loose been, ends. It's if, been implanted into their brains. Cause both of them are obviously not mentally stable or capable as like a normal person. Yep. So it'd be, especially cause I mean, if you had them since they were young, you can put this into the brain. You get caught fucking kill yourself yeah exactly yeah. and yeah so that's another reason i 
I'm just disappointed by the whole Bob Taylor thing. Yeah, I I was hoping for him to. I I do like the uh, especially the, the the interrogation scene where he's like he's like yeah. nervously doing all the all the mazes, and I was like, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I I was hoping that played into like a bigger thing, and I do think that's a pretty dramatic. I was into that scene when it happened where he he gets the gun off the one cop and yeah I I, I mean I I was totally involved in that scene and I think it's well done I just I just wish his character amounted to more mm-hmm. yeah uh, so I guess uh, we can move on to Holly now because you know now we we know that she's like kind of the she is the actual antagonist of this yeah. film we focus more on like Keller and Loki kind of verse each other. But the the real antagonist is Holly. Like she's the one who's who's taking the girls away. And yep. um, this is another bit that I think is just kind of uh, it's like played out detective work when when Loki gets to the house and he sees the necklace on the on the picture of yeah. her husband and everything. I was like, okay. I was like, we already get it. Like we already know what's happening. It, to me, that's just another bit. It's like, hey, you don't need to have this in mm-hmm. there. Um, what do you guys think of the whole uh, when Hugh Jackman confronts Holly? kind of one of the thoughts I have with that scene is I think that for a more typical version of this movie, he would get like his, like he would get his just desserts and he would confront her and he would win. Yeah. Like he's going to save his daughter. And I like the way they do that in this movie is like, he's like, he just immediately gets a gun pulled on him and he loses. He's, he's lost that, that, uh, that, that quickly. It's just done. And like the thing is like, so I watched, I'm like, man, you have like a bag of tools. Like as soon as she opens that door, just fuck her up. Yeah. But at the same time, he's trying to play off the facade. It's like, Hey, I'm here to help you. And he's like trying to learn more and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, boom, there's a gun on him. So I I was like, this is probably like what would actually happen. Yeah. I like that sort of subversion of the, okay, this is the dad hero who's going to come in and save his daughter. And, and it, it, that is immediately taken away from him, which kind of, kind of, I think it lets the arrow to that scene in in a, it kind of knocks the wind out of you in a way where you're like, Oh, like I, I really thought that we were going to get a good ending to this. Yeah. Like absolutely not. No. Then she says that line after she like makes him get in the hole. I'm going to fucking murder your daughter right in front of you. It's like, Oh my God. I love what she says. She's like, uh, taking children is a war we wage against God. Yeah. She's like, turns men into demons like you. And I mean, and that is, while I think it's a good line, it's literally spelling out Keller's character in that movie. Yeah. Because because he has, he's become a demon. Like yeah, he's, he's, he's become just as bad as her. He did the yeah. he did what I mean. He probably did worse to Alex than she ever did. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting that you were talking about comparing. Um, Loki and Keller. And I think the 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 more mirrored characters are actually Holly and Keller. I think they're the exact same because they are both very devout. Um, they have this idea of how the world works, and then when it doesn't conform to how they thought it would, then they go batshit crazy. That's yeah. a really yeah, no, that's I never thought of it that way. Cause, and that's the whole thing, like why you know we're we're born into trouble and affliction, and for that um, we get cast to hell. I think <laughs> we're again. I think we're just set up as an audience to understand your heroes and your villains, and so when that's like not, again, this isn't like a really hard film to follow, but this is not set up as these are your heroes and this is your villain, like because your heroes in this movie are don't act like heroes in any way. I, I wouldn't describe them that way. And so it's tough to see your, your villain and your hero, uh, align so easily. 
like you said, I mean, they're essentially like, like you said, the same character, they have these convictions and they're willing to follow through. And as soon as that kind of steps outside of it, they're, yeah, they, they, they step over the line. And that's why it's, it's hard to kind of look at this film as who's, who's good and who's bad because even the good guys are bad in this. Yeah. And they both lead the police right by the person that they're torturing. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. You're, Mm -hmm. you're so right. There's so many parallels between them. I didn't, I didn't think about any of that. Yeah, and, the, and then, but the only problem is, is like when when we realize there's no antagonist or protagonist, there's also not a message. Like none of it means anything. Like it's not even like that. The point is bleakness and sadness, you know, because it still feels like the plot is above any type of meaning. It's I find this film so strange in that you've set up all of these all of these themes and symbols like the the idea of animals all throughout the film you have the the deer getting shot at the beginning and then when you have uh loki in the diner talking to the waitress about how she's a monkey and her boss is a rooster rooster, and you have um the the venison um you have stuffed animals um you know when uh, there's even like a little rabbit on the sock that uh anna has yep yep and that's also if you notice that's actually it looked like it was either a mouse or a rabbit that was what bob was like petting at the vigil um wow okay yeah so the stuffed animals because that's what nancy brings when she shows alex like this was her you know it's this idea of like like this is a, a child represented as one of the animals they're still innocent they're not a part of the the machine to be slaughtered and talking yeah. about like the the conversation between um eliza and ralph you know when they first found the uh um we haven't even talked about ralph that's uh, a yeah. kid from 13 13 reasons why oh no, i don't know if yeah, you recognize that, I, I, that no. I was like ah, i saw i recognize the face but yeah he's pointless in this yeah um yeah no, you're right you're right i i just I, I he's like big from that yeah i was like i was like oh my god i didn't even realize he was in this movie yeah, yeah. and then when the girls are looking at the uh the rat and uh or my the hamster i it, it's, it has a really long tail does it, I thought does it, it a gerbil then it was bigger than a gerbil i i i, I must have little nebby tails Huh? No, uh, hamsters have, have yeah hamsters oh, have okay. tails. I don't yeah. know anything about rodents yeah so a rodent well yeah we'll rodent rodent right. in the cage and again another as so so we're all animals we're equated with animals throughout all of the film and we're all born into this this system and that's basically all, all it has to say right it's it's very frustrating that it has a lot it could say in two and a half hours yeah uh, we could have taken bob out and actually made a film that meant something or tried to say something some social commentary some bleakness about religion or atheism or, or anything and we don't get anything yeah i think i think we we could have talked a lot more about enemy which is the episode we did before this and that movie is an hour an hour Less. shorter yeah what and so it is odd to see a a director you know, we know that in his hands, a, a really compelling film can come out. I don't think this is not compelling. I just think it's not as thought provoking. So it is odd to see this. So um, I just want to get to the, there's a scene at the end that I think is just done really well. I think it's uh, uh, Loki's found Anna. Um, he's driving her to the hospital. And I think this is a really good culmination of kind of sound design. It's like you, Jane had mentioned earlier, the windshield wipers, you hear them thumping, hear the rain. Uh, you know, uh, hitting against the windshield against the car. Uh, Loki's driving, and the car is swerving between between lanes because he's he's been shot. He's losing blood. 
Um, it's in his eyes as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, it, the score starts to build throughout that whole scene. Um, the frame becomes much more blurry because I I think it's supposed to like portray like Loki's sort of starting to lose consciousness, trying to get or depth perception. Yeah, yeah. Kind of what I thought. I thought so too because the blood is like going in his eyeball. I, I yeah. But either way, it he's the, I just think that's he's impaired. A, I think it's a good. I think it's a good culmination, kind of, of the story. It, I think the this whole narrative has been building to rescue Anna. And I think like that's a good culmination of that. If I can give this movie a, a good bit of praise, I think that it's it's spent about two hours trying to build to this, and I think its payoff is pretty good. I like I like that final scene. It's not the final scene of the movie, but I like this. It's kind of the final scene of the. It's the conclusion of the the Anna mystery, like rescuing her, and I think it's done really well. And uh, it, it's much different than any scene we see in Enemy, so it's cool to see that you know Denis Villeneuve can you know move outside of kind of your more psychological film and, and kind of film a, a really good sort of action scene and not, not necessarily action the way there's guns and everything flying everywhere or bullets shooting. I just think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a well done scene. I really liked it. Yeah. For all of his gun waving, I don't think Loki actually ever shot a gun. I don't think he does either. <laughs> no, he, he keeps, he pulls it out on Bob a couple times. Uh, he has it out on Bob when, when Bob has the gun. Oh, he puts it away in his holster before he hops the fence when he's chasing Bob and pulls it right back out. I was like, he's smart. He's not going to shoot himself. Yeah, no, I like yeah, that. Yeah. Mm. It's just like, it's just a little continuity stuff yeah. like that because like, I was in the military. I've handled weapons. Like, you don't just go waving them around. Yeah. Like, like uh, uh, you know, muzzle discipline and trigger discipline is a, is a big deal like, yeah. that you get taught. And I'm sure he was, if you were a police officer, you'd be taught that too. So it's just little stuff like that. Yeah, I like that. I, I, really I, like I, like that. I noticed I was like, ooh, that's nice. Because, like, I would, like, probably be like, look at it, take me a minute. I'd be like, oh, shit, I probably shouldn't hop the fence with this gun in my hand. Actually, like, I love this scene just right after that. He's, like, looking up in the treehouse and Bob just jumps on him. Yeah. And he just goes, what the fuck? <laughs> 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 I kind of hope that scene was actually improv. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. the, what the heck, David? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of like that. Like, <laughs> it just seems like that's how I would react if someone just jumped on me out of a treehouse. I, I really like that scene too. Yeah, I felt like he's just like sitting there too. Like, oh, are we just gonna keep rolling? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah uh, do you guys have? Oh, I did want to talk about. Um, there's a scene with Grace. She is like weeping because Anna's gone, and I I think that it's supposed to come off as a really powerful scene. I think it's done way better in um, Hereditary. Um, Tony Collette has a scene where her daughter's passed, and and she's just weeping and and going. She's absolutely hysterical over it. And I just don't I I don't know why this scene doesn't land for me because it should it should matter. Is that this, this where she blames? Uh, Keller. Yeah, she's like, I thought I was safe with you, and, and oh, yeah. yeah, no, I think she's just so, fucked up. Yeah, sorry, we just didn't talk about Grace at all. Yeah, because I, I don't care about her. Yeah, I think yeah. you're kind of right. Yeah. She doesn't really matter. Yeah, I thought she meant more in my first interpretation. Yeah, <laughs> I think if you want to see a really good, like, visceral weeping scene, uh, go and watch Hereditary and see Tony Collette. <laughs> yeah, and then you'll find superb in that film. And then you'll find yourself in your own visceral weeping when you actually finish the <sighs> movie. That movie is insane to me. Ah, so good. So we we about ready to wrap this one up. I think I would I'd say so. All right. Oh no, there is one bit I I want to talk about. So the the crime's been solved. They're now looking for Keller. Oh, okay. Yeah, I will talk about this too. Because Keller has been Keller was a, a, also abducted by Holly. Yep. All right. Tell me what you think, Jaden. Okay. So this has got to be the worst police work that I have ever seen <laughs> in any movie of all time. 
Okay, so not only did this chick not long ago, Holly or whatever her name is, back the car up, remove the shit, remove the cover, and then put him in there after shooting him. So that means that, like, A, there's evidence that car was just turned on and pulled back and forth. There's no way there's not. B, you can probably tell that cover was just removed and put back on. That engine is warm. That car is going to be warm immediately. There's no way you're not checking that as a cop. It's like one of the first I things when you arrive on, like when you arrive at the scene. When they when they're digging stuff, I think it's days after. That's what I'm saying. Is that they like that should have been discovered long before that scene ever even oh, happened. Okay, okay. I was like, well, well that but- should have been like one of the first things, like. Well, yeah, but he's more concerned with getting Anna to the hospital. I understand that, but then they then, like after that they obviously go yeah, to the probably house. Probably have backup. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's that's a fair point. Yeah, and like that's just it's just annoying to me, and like that's just like it seems like just like a low level of intellect just to drive this one scene where he can blow the whistle underground, and I just didn't like it. Yeah, and I think that really is just that's that's one of the only other things from the Telltale Heart that they they bring in the. Um, guy goes crazy at the end because yeah. he swears that he can hear the beating of the heart still and he oh i didn't know that that's yeah, interesting yeah and yeah. he's like you know he's positive that the police can hear it too and he finally confesses and so that's that's like but it's weird how it's used here yeah, yeah. like I don't, I don't know why you would bring that element in here when it's saying something very different i think i know material. to me the reason why they have the whistle at the end is because uh um frank's character he's like a at the very beginning when they're having Thanksgiving dinner, he has the trumpet out. He says, uh, in order to find a whistle, you have to whistle. Yeah. And, he, and the girls sing their song or whatever. And so to me, it's like, in order to find a whistle, you have to whistle. So mm. uh, Keller's whistling at the end so they can find him. I think it's like uh, on the nose poetic, but it's like, it's but kind it of... It's like early enough in the film that we've kind of forgotten about yeah. it. It's a fun little, a little Easter egg on our, our next walkthrough. It doesn't make the film any better. No, but, I agree. No, I, like, I'm, I'm not saying like, uh, oh, this ties it all in and oh, I love this <laughs> film now. Uh, whereas like, I think Enemy has like a, it has a really, it has a lot of great tie-ins at the end that make it, it so cohesive at the end and, and it really enhances that film. The ending of this is not that i'm just saying it was just a fun thing that i was like yeah you said like an easter egg like oh yeah because he brought the whistle thing and now he's whistling to be found which they had said earlier so that 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 was like yeah that's my last bit i'm ready to wrap this one up all right um so ratings of this guy i don't want to give it whistles because i I just do not want to give it whistles either all right so um my my rating on this is going to be a little bit different just because uh like if I eat something with like mustard on it, like I don't like mustard. If I'm gonna like rate on how good of a food it is, I'm gonna try and take that aspect out of there. Yeah. Like it's probably still good, even though I don't like it. Yeah. That's kind of the way I feel about this movie because I don't like crime movies. Okay. Yeah. And like I understand like you're saying like that's not really the point of the movie, which it's not, but that's that's what the that's, setting is. Yeah, yeah, that's what I see when I watch it. And uh, so I gave this one a five point nine out of ten. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal Hall knuckle tattoos. <laughs> um, I, I just like it's it's good, but like no matter what, I just cannot give it a passing grade. I just don't think it's that. Yeah. it's not good enough for me to actually like. It's doesn't fit my palate. I think it's tough to rate this one, especially after we had done Enemy a week earlier. And so, like I said, it's like it's tough to watch this after you know what this director is capable of. Yeah, and well, like, you, and you know the story he can have, and that's know? interesting too because we all of the films that we're going to do uh, other than Dune, he wasn't a writer on any of them. But he did on um, his earlier films. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting, like, 
how you tell a story with the camera and how much more you can add to a screenplay. And and I do feel like he... He actually literally says that um, in an interview. Uh, they They were like, how difficult was it to do this movie? He was like, I literally just was trying to do what was on the screenplay. He was like, my goal was just to get the actors to emote in the way that the screenplay wanted uh, that I mean, makes that makes so much more sense and it, yeah. it makes so much more sense when you're talking about what he was doing with with enemy that it's that's a lot uh of high-minded uh camera work positioning symbolism and i think he came into this like you know this script is good enough and i mean for the budget for the for the money it made the notoriety he'll get from it yeah yeah, yeah. i think it i think it worked in his favor but i think it is i think it is a weak weak film to talk about in like an auteur series like this it's not like we talked about like a little bit of the things that he does but it's not like he used the camera to elevate the story he um just basically gave us what was probably the gist of the short story this is a product not a piece of art yeah yeah that's a yeah no i agree with that and I, I, I think it's a very well acted emotional work mm-hmm. uh, product, yeah. but I, I don't think it, it's not on the same kind of level as Enemy is. Yeah, yeah, and I don't want to, I don't want to be the one that where Jane keeps rate, rating things lower than I. Oh, you got to <laughs> do it. You got to follow your heart, man. Because <sighs> I don't know, like there's 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 plenty of things to like. There's plenty of good things here, especially Hugh Jackman, especially Jake Gyllenhaal. And I think I think it's still an enjoyable film, so I'll give it six point one. Jill and Hall, wow. knuckle tattoos. Okay, that's that's pretty good. It's better than any SVU episode I've <laughs> yeah. ever seen. So it's the best SVU episode. Yeah, yeah, it's the two-hour special yeah. series finale. Except the series finales are always just garbage. This is the pilot. there's series finales in those shows. I didn't realize that they ended. Oh, some of them do. Oh, oh season. So they, so they can. Oh yeah, the season no, series finales. Wait, those show. Okay, oh, yeah. now <laughs> I didn't. Okay, now I'm on the same boat, Janus. I didn't yeah. know they end. They gotta, they gotta get their spinoffs. <laughs> okay. CSI fair. only has like eleven seasons. Only eleven. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. It's way and then too what, many. CSI Miami has twelve. Yeah, in the CSI cinematic universe. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> the CSI CM. Yeah, exactly. Or, or CSI. Soon it's going to be like C- CSI East Coast and There's CSI too many C's. West Coast. I got, I, got, I got lost in the sauce, man. You're <laughs> at the wrong boat here. Uh, yeah, so I think that this is a good movie and it's carried by the actors in it. It's not carried by uh, amazing filmmaking, I don't think. Um, I just think Hugh Jackman is amazing in this. I think Paul Dano especially is... Like, yeah, I think he's the best. He's like, yeah. he captures this really good character um, who is virtually says nothing. And it's just like, you just... Uh, there's an interview with Hugh Jackman where he says he kind of just disappears when he's on the set and you're you're looking into his eyes and you're trying to get something out of him the same way the audience is trying to get something out of him. He just won't give it to you. You just can't figure out what's going on with him. And that's got to be a pretty, I don't know, incredible talent in an actor. Whereas like other actors are trying to be like, come on, man, give me something. like, And that's got to amp yeah. up like the tension for the actors in yeah. the scene as well. Be like, oh, come on, like, I'm trying to get there. That's his character's goal. Yeah. yeah. So I think he's good in it. Uh, I, I really, really like Jake Gyllenhaal in this. Uh, I know you think he's kind of... Ramped. It's not that I don't like Jake Gyllenhaal's like, acting. I just don't like his... I think you think he's like ramped up as like bad boy yeah. cop, you know, and, and and that's fair. I I still I still like him a lot. I think he's got a, like enough like quirks and he and and I think he's he's 
altruistic in a in a way, but in this like really dark, distorted way. And I, I kind of like that about his character. Uh but yeah, this this is this is not like Denis Villeneuve's best film to me by any means. Um and I would put it at a six. So Calvin is officially the person who is. No, we were all right high. around the same ballpark, I, though. I was, uh, to be fair, I had a rated a six from the get go. You you decided to say six point one. We could have been tied, but you put the point one on it. <laughs> it's just crazy. Like I feel like you had so many like good things to say, and not so many negative things. And he passed it, dude. I so I, I like, barely again, failed it. at Five point nine. Everything everything I like about this is the characters. Like that's all I like. But but I, I think this movie is too long. And and that is like that's part of what if if I have to drag this thing down a bit that that's that's what got me. I mean, I, I literally like, was like is, rolling my eyes towards you, like, come on, I'm over this. This movie is yeah. this movie is at least a half an hour too long. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's like a whole Bob Taylor too long. Yeah, I would say <laughs> just about that. Yeah. One, one whole Bob Taylor. <laughs> 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 All right. If he would just took care of business before the movie was shot. You know? Yeah. <laughs> All right, with that, I think we're wrapping this up. Uh, I'm your host, Connor. I'm my co-host, Jaden. <laughs> and our former guest, Calvin. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> All right, and we are on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Audible. You can catch us on YouTube. We're on Apple Podcasts now. You can catch us anywhere you want to hear your yeah. podcast. So please uh, give us a listen. We're, we're everywhere. Yeah, look us up on social media. Um, and we yeah yeah we got we got facebook we got instagram we got all of it. yeah we got all of it comment i mean well we're gonna have some polls coming up about what movies we should be watching in the next couple of weeks and stuff so yeah let us know yeah nice. soon um, we'll see you in your dreams yeah all right and thank you for listening to now this is podcasting yeah.